So to give an introduction about me, so I have close to 11 plus years of experience in data privacy and information security. So I, uh, I run my own firm in terms of data privacy consulting, as well as uh, I, uh, I'm a passionate data privacy trainer. I've been training for the last three years, helping candidates to clear CIPPE, CIPM and CIPT. And I have helped more than have helped actually more than 500 to 600 people uh, uh, train under different programs, and I'm a corporate trainer as well. And my uh, certifications include FIP, uh, CIPPE, CIPM, CIPT. I also have uh, uh, information security certifications, including CISA, CSA Star, and I also hold MBA from Symbiosis. So that's my background and. Uh, Part of my experience, I have implemented data privacy program across uh, different geographies. I worked in the Middle East extensively as well. And uh, currently I'm helping uh, Indian customers uh, comply with DPDP Act, right? So that's my uh, quick background. So what's the agenda for today's session? Uh, we're gonna discuss in terms of tech privacy and why it's important in today's world. And what are the different certifications which are available for tech privacy? and uh, tech privacy is basically i'm um, using the short form of technology privacy and uh, we're going to look into the cipt introduction and coverage discussion on important topics my exam experience and uh, sample questions actually i'm going to uh, share those questions then and there when we are discussing these topics and why infosec train okay so i don't want to be quoted on giving any dumps that's the reason i have uh, going to give you the questions and whenever we're going to discuss the exact topic i'm going to tell you what kind of questions will get tested on those particular topics all right so with that i'll start quickly about infosec train so infosec train has been in the business since 2016 and we are now the finest uh, uh, consulting and training company and uh, so i'll quickly move on to our topic of discussion today is cipt which is certified information privacy technologist okay so why tech privacy is so important in today's world right so if you see, everyone thought data privacy was a, a legal job uh, in, in back in uh, 90s and uh, 2000s when it was evolving in US, there were a lot of federal requirements as well as uh, there were a lot of specific privacy notices, contracts and other things. And then it slowly moved on with your 1995 directive and then we had GDPR. Once GDPR came into picture, uh, it, it, it required the inputs of your information security risk management teams uh, started to pick up this uh, uh, very uh, frequently. And uh, today, if you see the mix of technology people with uh, varied backgrounds, including IT, information security, GRC people have, uh, have really uh, uh, taken up this opportunity to uh, uh, to start their career in data privacy. I've seen many CISOs. In fact, 50% uh, of my CIPM batch are uh, with CISOs of different company. Currently, they are all pursuing their opportunities. Either their company has mandated for them to uh, take up privacy and uh, slowly everyone is moving towards the direction of becoming a data protection officer, right? So with these certifications, which you're already aware, which is CIPPE and CIPM, uh, many many people are not aware about this particular tech privacy uh, certification so this is the only certification that goes little deep in terms of your technology layer right 
So this entire course is structured in a way that speaks about what is the role of your privacy technologist in every aspect. It could be your life cycle. It could be in terms of the different frameworks. It could be in terms of different technology touch points. So whatever a company typically handles, right? So we are going to see what is the role of privacy technologist. That is the hat that we are going to wear in this entire course. Uh, so and it's going to be very interesting, right? Because many a time CAPPE is only about the GDPR law and how do you infer that to the business and CIPM is about your privacy program management as a program how do you implement it but uh, one missing piece between these two is the technology component right so when we heard about uh, uh, we do anonymization but what exactly happens under anonymization we speak about different layers of risk what exactly are the tech privacy risk that can uh, happen uh, that can occur in the data life cycle right and we would have heard about the privacy by design right but how do you actually strategize your privacy by design so there are so many other topics as well but uh, for making everyone understand few topics in detail i have selected four to five important topics that we will discuss in detail during our session right and uh, moving forward every company is going to have a huge demand for your tech privacy roles right so like the way information security panned out with different specialization it could be your grc it could be your vulnerability uh, assessments uh, it could be in terms of identity and access management soc right uh, likewise we will see the data privacy or your compliance towards your data privacy and protection will pan out into multiple uh, domains so for the starters data subject rights management is definitely going to become one uh, a separate domain for sure and uh, other domains could be in terms of your data breach management and your notification uh, your data discovery and assessments right so in all these layers for big companies they definitely need to move towards automation so whenever there is an automation the privacy technologies role is going to be very very prominent right so you cannot always imagine doing your privacy compliance in excel sheet or you may need to move beyond your traditional way of doing your privacy uh, 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 compliance requirements right so in a large company how will you manage assessments how will you periodically manage your data discovery right how will you actually respond to a data subject request so tomorrow just imagine we will be getting thousands and thousands of data subject request in one day not tomorrow not day after but soon we will reach that stage because india is a country where everyone uh, uh, has access to internet not everyone basically the the smartphone has bridged that gap so it could become very easy for someone to submit a data subject rights tomorrow right so how we are going to handle so many requests how quickly we can respond to this so for that we need to bring technology as the best solution in terms of handling uh, uh, data privacy compliance in the future right so if we may think this is not going to happen very soon but my suggestion is india actually leap uh, uh, leapfrogged in so many things right uh, it could be the way we adopted the digital payments right and uh, maybe we might uh, uh, cross the uh, time taken by other countries we might cross this maybe in 3 4 years we will definitely move much faster rate so it's very important at this point of time we understand the tech privacy landscape as well 
so that's something which is going to be very very interesting trust me with the with the uh, evolution of ai and uh, ml related use cases every organization is jumping towards ai use cases right then uh, artificial intelligence governance professionals uh, uh, need to have this in mind there is always a privacy touch point with ai and ml right and for that we need to speak the language uh, uh, that's going to be very technology uh, technical in nature right so that's something again uh, uh, as a privacy professional there is a lot of scope right in this particular area right having said that what are the different certifications for data privacy that exist we have cipp which is the uh, uh, certification that deals about the different data privacy laws and we have four different variants one is the gdpr cipp e the second variant is cipp us the third variant is canada and fourth variant is asia so these four variants are the current versions of different data privacy laws and at infosec train we focus on gdpr because that's con considered as a gold standard when it comes to the different data privacy law i would always recommend uh, you to have one data privacy laws thorough understanding because that is something i would say as a a uh, very important requirement if you're going to uh, 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 jump into the data privacy uh, career right one data privacy law it could be any law but if it's the most comprehensive law like gdpr that's the best uh, that you can do your, to yourself right and uh, the next certification is cipm if people who have done cissp and cism would realize at some point of time you want to enter into a layer where you want to manage the entire security posture of your organization right so similarly cipm is a equivalent of your cissp and cism in that manner so this is the only certification that speaks about your middle management and top management uh, expectation of how you handle a privacy program from scratch how do you build a privacy program from start scratch right so it's a very interesting course and that this these two combination of cippe and cipm has been recognized as a data protection officer ready okay so you can check yourself if you are planning to uh, uh, start your data privacy career i would recommend you to see the linkedin jobs right what are the minimum certifications those are uh, re uh, required for dpo or data privacy manager or uh, uh, at different layers of hierarchy of data privacy you will see these two certification always finding a prominent presence now of late for the last 2 3 years cipt has become uh, sort of a, a, a very uh, uh, interesting certification many people uh, i i have trained uh, many corporates specifically on cipt uh, who are actually developing a lot of technology products right so companies uh, i i can take the name i have trained bosch and other companies in terms of who actually specifically have data privacy uh, uh, tech teams right so they realize the uh, the importance of cipt and many companies have actually uh, 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 taken cipt certification as a as an important mandate going forward for this year and next year so that being said i would like to add on something more specifically on cipt right from now on we will be discussing something specifically on cipt only that's the agenda for today's session right so uh, in this session the we will be discussing the why part and also the other reasons of cipt first if you complete the certification you will be a most respected tech privacy person and also it's it's one of the globally recognized 
tech privacy certification currently there are only two uh, uh, certifications that have recognition to uh, uh, one is your cdpsc and second is cipt cdpsc is a, a, a certification that was recently launched maybe uh, a couple of years back so it is still uh, uh, in the market and but cipt has gained a lot of uh, 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 momentum towards recognition you you can check yourself before if before picking up any certification you need to do your due diligence as well try to see which certification has been demanded uh, in terms of uh, job roles and that's the way that is a good indicator that which certification has a maximum uh, requirement in the market right so that's something which i would recommend you to explore it's very simple try to find different data privacy uh, jobs and see what certification has been mandated so that's that's a clear indicator what people are looking for right so what we do in this certification so we are going to look into understanding privacy in technology mm-hmm. and it is going to enable you uh, 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 enable you to apply what you have learned whichever you have learned part of your law as well as a program and how do you immediately apply this to your daily workflow as a technology and data professional okay so you will be recognized as part of a elite group of knowledgeable capable and dedicated privacy tech practitioners and uh, you will recognize the benefits and challenges of emerging technologies that's that's the core area right if you're going to part mm-hmm. of this team so you will definitely see people uh, recognize you to uh, uh, to be part of those uh, very interesting projects whichever the company is pursuing right that could be the most latest trends and technology instead of doing maybe some people get bored with the regular compliance right so this this is for those people who actually like to uh, enter into these sort of domains and establish privacy practices for data security such as minimization limited access and encryption so we are going to look into a lot of tech uh, specific controls and uh, it also speaks in terms of how do you communicate privacy issues with the management and uh, how do you actually take care of the entire data privacy life cycle so these are the reason we should actually uh, 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 go for cipt these are the core learning objectives so cipt introduction and coverage what you will learn in this course embedding privacy in technology that's going to be the uh, entire crux of it you're going to build privacy friendly products services and process if your company who are into saas solution or if you are a company providing it consulting or if you are a company into any sort of fintech so these areas definitely have a lot of demand towards your privacy tech certifications not only that there is every company uh, whichever has a technology as a backbone obviously will need a privacy tech consultant okay so that's why this certification is going to be really important so speaking about the certification so this exam has around 90 questions okay that needs to be completed within two and a half hours okay so this exam can be uh, uh, done in both online as well as uh, when i say online uh, all exams are online only uh, either you can take in a self proctored mode which can be uh, done at your office or at your home and uh, the other model is you can go to a exam center so one heads up is that you need to be absolutely careful when you are giving in self proctored mode you need to be uh, uh, tuned into your system for the entire 2 and 1/2 hours and same goes whenever you are choosing the center choose it uh, a place without disruptions okay and uh, out of the 90 questions 
you need uh, 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 you need to get a score of 300 so the scoring is done between 100 to 500 and you need to secure a score of 300 to uh, clear the certification and out of 90 questions only 75 questions carry a weightage so remaining 15 questions are basically called as psychometric questions uh, we never know which are those questions which are evaluated or carries a weightage and this if you ask me jay how will you uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, identify what's a percentage questions i need to clear or what's the exact score which i which would give me the confidence i generally recommend 70% to 75% is a is a is a really good score for you to gain that confidence to go for the exam right and uh, so once you purchase this uh, exam voucher you have one year validity okay within which you can give this exam and uh, so if you are coming from india there is an excellent offer uh, uh, because uh, you will get this training from my end which is through infosec train and uh, we are gonna we are gonna give it a very subsidized package in terms of uh, uh, if i can show you the slide so it's gonna have 32 hours of instructor led training uh, we are iapp official training partner and it includes an exam voucher and one year iapp membership and it's one of the lowest price if you'll find it in the market okay and we'll also cover the roadmap to dptp implementation parallelly okay so this is gonna be the offer which we are gonna provide so what's included is most important within the price you are gonna get access to the official materials you will get the exam voucher plus 32 hours of training so this is something you generally can compare with any uh, uh, training partners uh, you will not get 32 hours plus the cost of this training at this price okay i can challenge it uh, you can check it anywhere around the world wherever you find and i've been doing this for the last three years you can check my testimonials as well the people have taken my training so i always uh, uh, look into the quality of what we give uh, instead of not, not just uh, training people to clear the certification it's a process to make you uh, uh, reach that confidence so that you can perform those responsibility when you uh, uh, start working in those areas okay so uh, the exam cost you around 550 dollars in general information and uh, once you clear the certification you need to pay a 250 dollar membership fee or you can uh, uh, sorry 250 dollars a certification maintenance fee or you have an option of paying 275 dollars so you have to pay either 250 dollars or 275 dollars uh, <clears throat> the one is 275 dollars is the membership fee with the membership fee you get access to iapp materials and with 250 dollars it's just a maintenance fee which which is calculated for a period of two years so membership fee is annually calculated and certification maintenance fee is uh, uh, is for a validity of two years so the difference is 275 dollars you get uh, discounts in a lot of other materials which you want to purchase or attend the exclusive uh, webinars and uh, meetings uh, sorry content whichever is available from iapp so that's the difference between 250 and 275 dollars but validity of uh, membership is for one year and certification maintenance fee is for two years so once you clear the certification you have two important requirement one you need to uh, uh, maintain a cp credit of 20 for a cycle of two years and you need to either have a membership uh, or certification maintenance fee paid uh, continuously okay
so that's something which you need to keep it in mind so why us so actually we give 32 hours of training you would have seen other places it would generally be 16 hours or 12 hours or some sometimes a little more than that but 32 hours is our usp the reason is these are all complex topics and you need the time to digest this information so there is a lot of case studies there is going to be a lot of discussions which you need time to assimilate you need to ask questions then and there i cannot give you one session of four hours five hours at the last so you will pile up all your questions and then ask this is a session where we give you time to discuss right so the discussions are always uh, uh, encouraged this is a session where you can ask the doubts right and then uh, be confident about your topics and uh, also we have approved trainers and is a, we are officially iapp partners and you get the iapp textbook and notes plus exam voucher and one year membership all these are included within the official package okay so we do a, a case study approach and uh, there are going to be templates and other useful resources shared and i'll i'll give you an exam strategy session and exam support uh, uh, in terms of if you have any questions that you want to discuss with me in the future i'm always there so anyone who is starting fresh with your career i'm always there uh, one phone call away in terms of uh, uh, sort of guiding you uh, what you need to uh, uh, take up next step but that is not uh, related to your placement services i'm i'll make it absolutely clear with everyone placement services to me it's a myth uh, no one can place someone except the person who is pursuing that opportunity so we will make you ready for whatever opportunity comes up but it's end of the day it's the individual's effort uh, to clear any uh, to get any offer okay then probably we move, we can move on to the content for the today's session so the curriculum is divided into seven chapters okay so the seven chapters actually covers uh, a wide varieties of topics starting with in terms of your foundational principles okay which are essential for your data uh, privacy protection and uh, we're gonna see the not the usual stuff for example you would have seen the principles from gdpr or you would have also heard about other principles like gapp right so we have something related to fipp and also we will see some interesting uh, uh, principles for the first time right so these principles are something new for sure you would have not seen it uh, from the uh, cipm or cip uh, cipp courses so this is something which is going to be definitely a new topic and there is something called value sensitive design especially very useful for developers and uh, we are going to look into your privacy risk models and frameworks so this is the first chapter interesting in terms of knowing new frameworks so this is going to be very important if you're going to build privacy program from scratch you need to have this essential uh, information of what are the different privacy frameworks how do we choose which one is appropriate all these are uh, very vital information so the role of technology prof uh, professional in privacy very very interesting and important topic so this entire module is about the data life cycle right from collection your uh, use of personal data your uh, uh, sharing of data uh, your uh, uh, in terms of archival disposal we see a lot of use cases and for each layer we will also see some of the associated uh, uh, threats okay and risk 
so we will just uh, get into a uh, 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 introduction of it but the majority of privacy threats and violations has going to be dealt in module 3 so that goes into much deeper so the module 2 speaks about your privacy technologist role for each of these layer what is your role for example collection of data so as a privacy technologist what is your role in terms of collection right from uh, looking in terms of privacy notice how do you deliver this privacy notice across different channels and incorporating the contents of privacy notice right so all these aspects will be discussed for a privacy technologist across the entire uh, uh, different layers of data life cycle privacy threats and violation this is my sort of favorite topic uh, because uh, you're going to expose to a lot of different privacy threats and violations uh, many of the names you would have not heard in the past so uh, exam uh, questions will be figured around uh, uh, scenarios which especially test in terms of your knowledge on different privacy threats and violation uh, it definitely involves a lot of use cases in the upcoming technology domain as well okay i would say anyone uh, want to start with data privacy career i would always recommend to start with cippe okay because uh, that's going to give you a lot of foundation right once you do CIPPE, then the natural progression is CIPM and the last is CIPT. Okay. So, because CIPT is something which I would say at least one certification of CIPPE or CIPM is required to go for CIPT. Maybe someone can have a different perspective. I have done all the three certification. I have taken the training for all the three certifications. I know the exact difficulty level as well as what it takes to clear the certification. So that with that perspective, I'm giving this uh, sort of uh, roadmap. The fourth chapter is technology measures and uh, privacy enhancing technology. Okay. So this chapter is going to speak about your different technology solutions. This is where we are going to discuss in terms of your anonymization techniques, your encryptions, and different types of anonymization what are the different pets privacy enhancing technologies right and we are going to speak in terms of design technologies right that is a very interesting topic uh, uh, you might have not heard this for sure module 4 is something which has a very high weightage in terms of your practical uh, hands-on work experience okay so if you do very well in module 4 it's going to help you a lot in the subsequent designing of your systems Right? You can take a lot of uh, uh, information from module 4 to your day-to-day -day working. Okay, So module 5 is privacy engineering. This is based on a NIST uh, 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 paper and this is developed basis that very easy chapter. Uh, it speaks about how privacy engineering as, uh, uh, as, a, uh, as how do you apply privacy in a model of privacy engineering type. And uh, here we speak about your privacy design patterns objectives of a privacy engineering and your software privacy risk a very easy chapter and privacy by design this is where you actually have to refer another textbook uh, i think that's a textbook by jason cronk and uh, this uh, is speaks about how do you embed privacy by design into the organization a lot of uh, very wonderful uh, use cases have been provided in the textbook so we speak a lot in terms of the privacy by design principles those seven principles but how actually we do it on the ground right there needs to be a structure apart from uh, just speaking about those seven principles right so this is what you're going to learn part of your privacy by design methodology very interesting uh, uh, chapter because i would say not just from the exam perspective but 
how do you actually bring this privacy by design into your organization requirement if you are going to go into any data privacy interview you're going to you kind of face this question for sure like what is your privacy by design how do you do actually on the ground right so that's where i would say this chapter 6 is very interesting from that particular perspective and module 7 is technology challenges for privacy this is where we are going to move into a direction of the future right what are the new technology trends how it's affecting privacy how we are going to look into those specific risk how we are going to address them right so that's the module 7 the module 7 is going to get updated every year for sure that's my confidence because uh, every year there is so much of change you would have seen artificial intelligence getting so much of prominence uh, uh, you're going to see a lot of changes uh, from the privacy consultants or privacy officers role as well how do we manage these new systems and how do we ensure it doesn't cause a risk to the rights and freedom of data subjects right so that's why module 7 is going to be again uh, a very forward looking chapter uh, in terms of how do we incorporate changes into this life cycle okay so that's the just introduction about the different modules i'm still not started with any specific topic i just wanted to give you the overview first to first you need to get that feel of what are the different modules are there these are the seven modules and we are going to cover these seven modules with uh, uh, 32 hours of detailed discussion all right uh, so i have there's one more question from then cipm or cipt for you which is more difficult cipt any day then uh, cipt is the most difficult certification out of the three okay so i'm going to move into taxonomy of privacy so this is a topic which is going to be part of your uh, module 1 and 2 uh, touched upon so taxonomy of privacy is based on daniel sols uh, 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 paper a taxonomy of privacy in terms of 14 different uh, dimensional harms okay so some of the names might you might have heard it for the first time and exam topic is going to definitely test you with different case studies around these specific harms okay so that's that's what i told you i didn't want to give you any specific exam questions today but i want to give you exam questions then and there to uh, make you think what can be tested in the exam this 14 uh, dimensions right of the different harms so this is exactly where you can see a lot of exam question testing you right so people when you uh, see the definitions you will be able to understand it very easily but when it comes to case study they will ask you which exact uh, 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 your daniel sols uh, dimension is getting uh, affected or which exactly is this uh, privacy violation or privacy risk right so that is about this uh, 14 dimensions i will be explaining it one by one uh, uh, and uh, i'll be giving you examples as well okay so uh, abhi gera there is a question sorry team i will be intra, uh, interrupting then and there i will ask i'll take the questions i worked on as a technology business analyst on us privacy law does cipt make sense for me given the difficulty level that i don't have any other ipp certification abhi it makes lot of sense you are working in technology business but i would recommend you to get a, a, a good grip on ipp certification at least cipp or cipm to get to know the style of questions as well as the foundation very clear it's little different than what you do 
part of your work to what is expected right so that's what i would say uh, to clear the certification it's little difficult without any ipv certification to attempt this as a first one okay uh, team let's get started in terms of your collection right so collection is the stage where the data enters into the organization so surveillance and interrogation is the two uh, uh, risk which uh, uh, starts with so surveillance is the data collection which happens sometimes directly as well as indirectly so there are surveillance methods which are employed uh, for example whenever we see surveillance we always think about cctv am i right but surveillance is much more beyond this there are surveillance which which happens in a passive mode uh, which which is without the users uh, uh, knowledge uh, your uh, human behavior monitoring through cookies and pixels beacons and a lot of lot of indirect activities happens uh, in terms of that this this even happens in organization uh, tracking your employee behavior right so a lot of activities these all falls under your surveillance so watching listening or to record of a person's activity so uh, what uh, what what we do what is our intention and what do we what do we have a lawful basis to do that and there is different types of surveillance as well it could be a communication surveillance it could be a biometric surveillance it could be your cctv likewise uh, there is different forms of it interrogation is a interesting add on uh, for the collection so uh, interrogation is asking questions or collecting information which is absolutely not necessary in the context right so uh, uh, any probing questions uh, which makes people uh, uncomfortable during an interview right these are all classical cases of your interrogation so uh, uh, asking about marital status looks very normal question but it's not uh, uh, taken in the right uh, in the same way in many other countries as well and uh, sometimes asking personal questions in the interview these are all examples where uh, your collection has gone beyond your lawful pur uh, purpose into an integration mode right so these are the first two examples that starts with your collection and uh, information processing has five different uh, uh, types of uh, risk dimension the first is aggregation combining of various pieces of information so uh, in what i generally convey to my data subject is that we only have these three uh, attributes of your data we strictly do not collect any information apart from your email id we do not collect apart from your phone number uh, and first name and last name but you may collect the information through your website in terms of cookies and slowly start stitching this information to create a profile about the user understand their uh, 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 personal aspects and this aggregation is definitely one of the privacy risk which organization uh, 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 knowingly or unknowingly enter into this uh, particular uh, area to actually make maybe the intention is to increase the business footfall or to expand uh, their products and services but this is one of the classical privacy risk and secondary use this is also something which is very common uh, we take personal data for a specific uh, process personal data for a specific purpose for what we have collected it uh, what is what we communicated in the privacy notice or at the time whenever we collected the data right so if i use the data for any unrelated purpose which is not connected to the main purpose then obviously these all falls under your secondary use very very common use cases is that i collected to fulfill a certain service then i start using this information for analytics 
or try to uh, predict uh, the uh, patterns of the user or i may share this information with someone else with the without the user's uh, uh, intent right so these are all classical of your secondary use exclusion exclusion is using the data without the knowledge of the user right so you would have seen websites actually use implied consent so implied consent is whenever i log into a website and users uh, consent has been uh, uh, taken just by the virtue of landing on a website or just being silent or inactivity it's 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 been perceived as uh, your consent so this is your exclusion uh, failing to let an individual know about uh, uh, know about the information that others uh, have about them right you are handling someone's personal data but without the knowledge so this is another use case in terms of third party processing right so whenever you get the data from a data aggregators data brokers right so you could have seen the data come to you but uh, or maybe it could be the use case of you scrapping the data from your uh, uh, internet right so in all these cases before using this data you have your due diligence to reach out to the data subject right and provided there are uh, certain lawful basis conditions to be fulfilled in that case right so if you start using this data without notifying the appropriate data subject then obviously this is also going to fall in terms of your exclusion right so without even uh, 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 knowing them or uh, for example another use case which, which is very classical is i i, I used to call uh, uh, customer care frequently and uh, sometimes uh, maybe i i ask very difficult question to the customer care and the the people want to put me in a, a sort of a list that excludes me directly reaching out in a short span or any diversions they do in this kind of uh, a technique which which sort of demotivates me excluded from the normal process this is also exclusion so we, we these are the different examples of exclusion insecurity is quite straightforward not protecting the information right and uh, 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 if you if you leak the information while processing right and uh, not giving sufficient protection measures right from the stage of collection usage uh, disclosure and uh, disposal so this all comes under the umbrella requirement of insecurity the next is identification right so identification is singling out or uh, 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 tracking a user uh, specifically we call it as pii which is personally identifiable information right whenever you can uniquely trace out an individual right so the risk is going to be very high right whenever you know a person uh, uh, precisely with a lot of attributes that helps you to single out a person right so what we what is the risk here is basically uh, uh, you are linking the different attributes to identify the individual the moment you have uh, uh, individual specific data then uh, the the disclosure the when, when we say disclosure it's not only outside the organization right even inside the organization it becomes disclosure right so classical case whenever i say uh, salary information of employee should be kept secret right it should not be shared with anyone else within the organization so this is common sense everyone agrees to it but same when i say about customer information uh, it could be the phone number or email id of my customer and if it if it is being shared to internal departments who are not supposed to receive this information is it is it leading to a risk yes it is leading to a risk right and uh, the soon could be the case of unnecessarily uh, 
linking this individual with at other attributes to uniquely identify the individual. So this is where we apply the concept of pseudonymization, trying to break the linkages to uh, reduce the identification risk. Okay, and uh, we have invasion, which is the next uh, uh, particular risk dimension. So invasion is usually sorry invasion is uh, uh, as true important risk dimension one is your intrusion and second is your decisional interference so intrusion is uh, disturbing someone's uh, uh, solitude or actually uh, invading into someone's uh, private space so private space could be your office space where you are working or could be your home right anyone is uh, uh, intruding that someone is trying to tap your phone call or sometimes if someone is uh, uh, trying to do a man in the middle of trying to know what you are texting between two person right these are all classical case of intrusion right the next is your decisional interference decisional interference is trying to influence someone's decision making a very very important domain that is opening up is your decisional interference right so this we do in many ways and uh, this is something which is very close to a topic we gonna discuss later which is part of your dark patterns so dark patterns are design uh, strategies or design patterns basically which is used to sort of influence users decision making right so we use it in a way that people do not take the right decision or they are actually confused or we mislead people with wrong information or with certain uh, graphical representation which makes people to take decision otherwise they would have done not done naturally so these are all classical cases of decisional interference we are going to discuss that in detail uh, part of one more topic that we are going to discuss off late uh, which is your dark patterns and uh, information dissemination so uh, dissemination is about your uh, breaking down this information either it was sharing exposure uh, and other aspects so disclosure is when i share a true a truth about a person right and the truth can be used against that another person uh, what is the classical case someone has been uh, 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 had a traumatic uh, childhood uh, so they have been uh, there are they have been victims of uh, uh, ch uh, child uh, related offense right so in that case this information gets leaked at later point of time right so it's a true information but this information can have a, a very big impact on the individual right so if they have been victim of any such in, uh, possibilities the same information gets leaked right this could be a case of uh, for example let's take someone has been uh, uh, committed a crime in the past right the person has a background verification conducted in the background verification the person would have uh, specifically mentioned that yes he was convicted and he got uh, a, a sentence or maybe uh, 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 some sort of penalty and he actually has uh, 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 fulfilled whatever is done but does it mean this information can be shared with someone or this information is very sensitive in nature right so these are all example of your disclosure yeah child abuse cases and exposure is about uh, 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 revealing someone's bodily privacy right uh, uh, it could be uh, information which generally people try to not share in public right 
So it could be someone's divorce or it could be anything that is a person is generally not comfortable in sharing. It could be even in terms of having a sensitive disease or terminal disease, right? Uh, a, a person is diagnosed with a terminal disease. Suddenly it gets leaked among the colleagues. This person may be discarded in the company under not being fit for the job, right? Maybe it's only the early stage of the disease. He could naturally get over with it. But unnecessarily this information being leaked, it could cause a very big risk to the individual. Likewise, exposure can go into many angles. Someone taking vengeance on someone else with this information, right? So these are all examples of your exposures. Breach of confidentiality, uh, you trusted someone and provide this information. Classical case is your organizations or your doctors. You go to counseling and you're sharing this information with the doctor. A lot of sensitive information is being shared, but the trust gets broken when that person who you trusted shared this information with someone else, right? So this is your breach of confidentiality and increased accessibility. Increased accessibility is increasing the scope of this information being accessible to many people, right? So uh, maybe sharing this information in a social media uh, uh, that makes this information so common, uh, uh, commonly accessible to everyone. Uh, information is true or information is something which is not prevalently available, uh, is made purposefully available about a person uh, with the intention to make it accessible to so many people. So this is also a dimension of privacy risk. And the last one is appropriation. Appropriation is misusing someone's identity, right? So this is a classical case mm -hmm. of identity theft, right? Uh, you would have seen many uh, uh, Twitters and Telegrams or not Twitters and other social media profiles are used by companies nowadays. We don't see the individual directly handling it, right? So someone uses this uh, 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 identity to make a personal gain out of it, right? Uh, these are all examples of appropriation, right? Uh, your uh, classical case of identity theft is your appropriation, right? So this is your taxonomy of privacy, right? And uh, so you see a lot of exam questions uh, circling around these 14 topics in different forms of your use cases, right? If you have a clear clarity on each of these definitions, see, it becomes easy when you see what it is. When you hear me explain, it is very easy. But in exam question, they will just ask with the option, it falls under disclosure, exposure, uh, exposure, or exclusion or identification. They club into the different phases. When you see these answers, uh, it, it sometimes starts confusing with what is given in the passage. So this is how it becomes a little tricky and difficult in the exam. So you need to be absolutely clear with a lot of examples in your mind to have this clarity to crack these questions. Okay. All right, I've kept a, kept a abstract image. Okay, the reason of this abstract image is the kind of biometric data, right, that is going to be commonly collected right from our day-to-day -day usage like your phones, your laptops, your office interfaces, right? And uh, we see so much of biometric templates are being collected. And not to forget about the CCTV cameras. In today today's world, the CCTV cameras have high image resolution they can capture your image your face and they can actually create a biometric template out of it 
provided the resolution and the angle and other parameters of your cameras right so uh, there is so much of your information is available uh, and uh, it it's important as an organization right we take those important calls do we need these information if you have decided yes if you're going to use a biometric uh, uh, authentication for attendance system there is nothing wrong about it but how securely you're going to build that system have we communicated this to the user and do you have a choice for this and if not a choice then how you're going to communicate the user that how it's going to be protected right and you're going to depend on a cloud solution to you or using a vendor to manage this how securely the vendor is going to uh, 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 manage the data or the data is going to be going to be stored inside your organization how you're going to encrypt it so there is so many data points which you need to be careful as a privacy technologist right so using these uh, uh, biometric authentication has become so common in today's world and uh, the application of generative ai right another beast which is which is moving so rapidly so that's another aspect where so much of our personal data including a biometric data is being easily misused right so tomorrow someone can generate a voice sample of me and they can actually unlock my system right we need to be smart enough to use multi factor authentication we are not sure who is who i have seen a use case there is a scam someone attended a meeting and there were three to four uh, 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 artificial uh, intelligence systems which were actually uh, speaking like normal colleagues and it led to actually a fraud so in a today's world we are not sure the person who's uh, talking to me on the opposite side especially in a virtual environment is actually a person or is it a, a robo right so there is so much of uh, evolution that's happening around us that's where this kind of certification has so much to take right and trust me when you clear the certification are you going to be master of everything absolutely no i clear the certification i'm still uh, learning every day you see a new topic there is a new technology component that comes in the application of it that the countermeasures of it the risk and the downsides of it all these things are evolving each and every day if you're going to pick up this certification at this time you're actually staying ahead of the curve that's what i would say right maybe down the line 3 4 years the certification will will have tremendous value with the way the technology is rapidly moving this could this could actually outperform the other two certification as well but uh, that's something at this point of time especially with the ai use cases and technology uh, organization so much uh, uh, interested to have those use cases right so this certification has so much of prominence so another slide i just wanted to show you the different types of surveillance so this again is not specifically from the curriculum but uh, uh, just wanted to show you uh, what are the different areas of uh, surveillance that happens we typically see only your biometric right if you see audio surveillance video surveillance with cctv phone monitoring location based services your phone applications right so many use cases are there from the location based services which use our location data and that's used for so many profiling activity as well based on your location i can determine so many other aspects about an individual as well right and uh, internet monitoring your cookies or web beacons 
right all these are another classical example we can actually do so much of uh, human behavior monitoring with your uh, cookies with uh, in today's world pixels right and uh, monitoring center combine different surveillance technology this is where it becomes little uh, very complicated right people say we use cctv camera but that cctv camera in the back end can combine audio and video right then combining attributes it that's where it gets more uh, risky as for the organization right uh, combining the data will make your identification risk much more higher right and uh, also intrusion we discuss biometrics we discuss counter surveillance detect and counter surveillance equipment and forensics so these are some the some of the different aspects about your surveillance so another interesting slide i found on internet which i thought to use to explain people about which pets privacy enhancing technologies we use at different instances everyone speaks about your pets privacy enhancing technology as a topic but no one actually can explain to the depth if someone has been challenged right so that's why this particular course gives you those uh, important information that is becoming more prevalent in today's world right so you would have heard about homomorphic encryption what exactly it is in what use cases you will use right so maybe it's a simple uh, flow chart that can actually help you help you to understand right so if it's a privacy related uh, data then obviously that's the core starting point first is trying to understand do you have more than a handful of data points for the customer so which means the granularity of the data is very high so in that case we need to go in terms of high dimensional anonymization so anonymization itself has three different tiers which is your k anonymity l diversity and t closeness so when you come to the session i will be explaining to you these three different types of anonymity with the practical use case uh, although that is not directly in the uh, uh, required in the curriculum to the depth but i will explain you with the practical use case of how do we apply uh, with the three layers okay and uh, uh, synthetic data is again very commonly uh, used term nowadays in terms of making a, a data which doesn't have any form of linkages and reconstruction differential privacy very interesting topic in terms of a uh, 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 close ally of your uh, uh, pts where we are going to add noise right so whenever we say anonymization uh, people always uh, don't realize why people uh, why organization have not been successful in terms of using anonymization right everywhere we you see a lot of pseudonymization use cases but lot of anonymization use cases are not that commonly applied this question should uh, would have been triggered in your mind the answer to that is there is always a very fine balance between your value of the data to the privacy preserving activity right so the more anonymized i make the data the lesser the business value the data will have right i used to give this example to uh, uh, in all my uh, sessions i am a data privacy trainer at infosec train okay so uh, uh, my name is jay and i am the data privacy trainer at infosec train to make the statement anonymous i can say mr x is a data privacy trainer at infosec train is this statement 
actually anonymous answer is no the statement is more of a pseudonymous data right so why i don't call the statement as anonymous because very simple social engineering or very few information if you go to infosectrain website you can easily capture uh, uh, this information that i'm the only trainer then you can easily know who is jay and who is a data privacy trainer right so that's the reason we call don't call it as anonymization now if i make the statement let's take an example of mr x works at organization y and takes z courses this this is an anonymous data 100% it's an anonymous data but how far it's this statement is valuable to the organization so why the challenge of anonymization is so steep is because you are trying to find that fine balance in terms of ensuring the value of the data at the same time preserving the privacy of the attributes right mm -hmm. so that's where you have this interesting concept of differential privacy so differential privacy differential identifiability is towards of how much noise you need to add to the data exactly identifying that quantum of noise is your differential identifiability and adding noise is your differential privacy right so if the data is not that so let's let's say the other use case mm -hmm. if the data is not if you do not have too much of data points of the user you can go to generalization aggregation and perturbation so generalization is making the data more generalized we will see this design strategies where i will give the same example so instead of taking specific attributes right if i have to calculate the age of uh, the user right so many laws have children specific consent requirements right in in gdpr the age is 16 if you if you collect user uh, uh, if you collect children's consent less than 16 it's not a valid consent you need a parental consent so how to determine the age of the user should i ask the date of birth that's the most common sense people will say but is it actually a better option answer is no why do you need to collect the entire date of birth right you can just take the year of when the individual was born so that is something we look into the generalization right and aggregation is a example where we aggregate the user data instead of uh, making it more granular at a user level right so in a database if you are trying to do any analytics let's take tomorrow if uh, if your organization is planning to do some uh, uh, analytics on the uh, the age group of people between 21 to 24 okay and their last 3 years performance right so they want to do some analytics to determine their salary range with the market benchmarking right so uh, they they want to test this they want to do some analytics do they need the exact granular information of the user or what they looking for is more of a statistical value right so that is what we do in aggregation try to uh, make it aggregated at the user level rather than uh, 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 giving the actual identifiable user data the third is perturbation perturbation is a different form of adding noise and uh, secure multi party computation is a very interesting aspect where uh, uh, it is about the user has given consent but you are using it for some legitimate uh, legal basis it could be in terms of encryption and anonymizing computing it could be like uh, a federal learning uh, secure multi party computation so here we use different different 
individual systems collaborating participating in a in a, in a particular transaction uh, and homomorphic encryption is something which i thought to explain this it's a very interesting concept so homomorphic encryption is a use case where uh, you can actually make operations on top of a encrypted data right so generally if you see encrypted data is something which we cannot make any sense right but uh, to do any meaningful transaction on the data we have to decrypt the data am i right so if i have to make any operations on top of an encrypted data that is your homomorphic encryption so this enables you to do arithmetic and other specific operations on top of an encrypted data so that's the homomorphic encryption we have also pir uh, uh, your uh, pir as a technique helps you to actually read a data from a database without even the database making an entry of such action which is without even making a, 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 a log right you are able to retrieve and read the data that is your uh, uh, your uh, pir technique so these are all again these are emerging uh, technologies which have been used okay so we will be discussing these uh, topics in detail when we go to the module 4 all right so let's get started with the remaining topics privacy by design so privacy by design is seven set of principles which have been uh, created by anshuvakin uh, as a privacy by design framework these principles have been uh, sort of become a de facto with its recognition in gdpr and uh, gdpr we have article 25 which sort of mandates you to demonstrate your privacy by design at default right so organization now started it seriously incorporating your privacy requirements right from the early stages of your project inception so uh, it becomes a de facto right and uh, does dpdpa recognize privacy by design at this point of time no but uh, there is no explicit mention but trust me the rules comes out you may find a notion but even if it's not mentioned it's something which is a concept uh, it's an industry best practice right it's not always about your legal compliance uh, in in gdp in dpdp act at least there is no specific requirement i would say but many of other requirements will indirectly refer to your privacy by design only okay so very simple right tomorrow if you are designing a mobile application what kind of permissions you should ask while you roll out the application in a play store right you would have seen lot of uh, 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 applications ask unnecessary permissions right those permissions are no way related to the service which is being provided this is a classical example of your privacy by uh, uh, design and default violation right so do can we say this is not a privacy by design is not mandated by dpa no it gets translated by other principles so your privacy by design and your privacy principles in generally goes uh, really hand in hand so not necessarily it has to be uh, mentioned as a specific requirement right if you follow privacy by design obviously you're going to fulfill most of the other requirements which are required by the law okay so i'm actually not going to go into the seven principles these principles are going to be discussed in the session and uh, maybe if you read these principles you will understand most of the points uh, as an uh, uh, just by the keywords which are mentioned as in the law but one 
particular piece which many people struggle to understand is a full full functionality positive sum not zero sum right maybe that's that's the intention i just kept this slide to make people understand what is positive sum not zero sum uh, so positive sum not zero sum relates to uh, tap, uh, uh, to the requirement of balancing your functional and non functional attributes i can give a very basic example right so if you are developing a website or you developing an application or a product or a service there could be functional requirement and non functional requirement your non functional requirement typically could be your security or privacy requirements am i right so you cannot actually uh, 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 focus only on functional and let go some of your non functional requirements to to uh, to demonstrate that we are doing it for the business sake we want to ensure the readability or the experience as a priority so i let go the information security features or privacy requirements so that is against your positive sum not zero sum so what does it require it requires you to balance your core requirements it could be your uh, service sales or any of the aspects or it could be privacy versus security or your uh, uh, business versus privacy requirements right so both has to be balanced each other so that is your positive sum not zero sum so this is something uh, which people generally find it tricky i thought just to explain that particular point uh, next is your privacy engineering right so privacy engineering as i told you as a topic is very light it's is a it's a is a nist uh, uh, paper and uh, it actually has three core objectives so predictability manageability and disassociability is the objectives so predictability is enabling reliable assumption right about a system so uh, making uh, those reliable assumptions actually work to the system so this is more of uh, uh, making very simple and people are able to know uh, 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 what is going to happen right so that's your uh, predictability manageability is how how much granular con uh, uh, control you provide to the data subject right so the granular control in terms of uh, letting the data subjects uh, have that control by uh, making those data subject request how transparently you communicate right empowering the data subject is main mainly in terms of your manageability right and uh, disassociability is basically in terms of your life cycle how do you ensure the linkages the basically if you see any personal data definition you would see that particular element of how the personal data is linked to an individual right so any information related to a identified or identifiable natural person the word related is the crux here right so any data point which is any attribute which is linking uh, to the particular user is the core element that we need to sort of isolate it mask it substitute it or you do any sort of treatment to remove that linkability right so this is the core aspect whenever we are building systems that is expected out of your engineering that speaks about your disassociability so another topic which i wanted to keep in terms of your machine learning right so ai related topic is going to be updated on a uh, periodic basis uh, what is a holistic approach to protect your privacy right so the core aspect is going to be your trust and with the trust how do you reach the trust of your consumer 
how do you reach the trust of your customers right so the two three important aspects which you need to see as a as what is getting highlighted of all your ai system or machine learning system is that uh, there is a, a lack of trust with the nature of data that is being fed to train these models right so the models actually uh, don't have any inherent bias right but the bias is actually creeping via the data that is used to train the models right there was a study that was used to determine that whether there is a bias within the decision making by this ai systems so a black child versus a white child was used as a subject of discussion to determine whether there is a inherent bias same set of questions and uh, uh, the same set of answers to be uh, provided and to evaluate which uh, which particular child the ai selects so it so it, it sort of selected the white child and it left it led to consistently do the same action so there is inherently a bias which is getting creeped in via the data that is used to train the uh, uh, these models right and also uh, we very we happily share this information with uh, so much of gadgets that we have right from our uh, 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 anthropomorphism uh, related which is which is your uh, alexas and all other smart devices that is listening to us 24 by 7 as well as your smart watches which is connecting so much of your uh, sensitive information about the user correct and uh, we are so happily sharing so much of other information in instagram and other places as well so all these are a, a network i would say in turn uh, uh, the data is having so many access and the people are trying to make a most of my profile information which is easily available correct so first is whether the user has consented to use their data for these training models and second your uh, transparency third is in terms of uh, avoiding any inherent bias that creeps into the system right and there is many upcoming laws which are coming up in this particular uh, uh, part yeah there is a us law there is a european union ai act which is going to be enforced they have given a, a 2015 as a deadline and likewise many countries have specifically come up even india uh, they spoke specifically that generative ai uh, related requirement is going to be passed so there is so much of things happening here so what you need to keep in the core aspect of uh, how do you evaluate a ai system this is something a privacy technologist needs to keep it in mind right how do we how do we evaluate what are the privacy threats what are the privacy risk we need to avoid all these aspects are something which is very interesting so privacy by design strategy this is this is what uh, uh, i would say you would have heard a lot about this uh, but what exactly are these design strategies and how they are actually important uh, uh, in terms of your organization uh, uh, architecture as well as how you are going to design your systems right as i told you this is one topic which is going to have a lot of value uh, when you go back to your day to day working right these are there are actually eight strategies and uh, eight strategies are divided into two major headings one is your process strategies and second is your data strategies so here the technical word is used to represent your data strategies so data strategies has two important section one is architectural level and second is your secure level so let's discuss it one by one 
the first is your minimize okay so at an archi uh, at, at whenever you're collecting data part of any application or any website or uh, will it be any any collection point there are two important activities which is uh, either select or exclude which is actually complementary in nature so you need to either select the specific data which is required limiting the interaction on a case to case basis in terms of specifically select the people select the data attributes select the permissions so selecting what you need specifically is your select uh, strategy exclude is whatever is not required excluded part of the collection itself so whatever you uh, uh, collect unnecessarily is basically a ticking time bomb inside the organization right so exclude and select are basically complementary in nature and uh, if you if you look at uh, 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 your exclude i would say a simple example of your kyc information right so if you're going to collect the kyc information of your user uh, is all the information that you mentioned part of kyc is a kyc is specifically required are we collecting any excess information these are all classical cases of your exclude strategy and select is whenever you're designing any form of collection in website uh, ensure this information are really mandatory and do you provide a choice is another question that's going to parallelly come up after that strip and destroy is uh, uh, again the next set of data strategy which is remove any information which is unnecessary which is part of your after your collection and destroy this information which you feel is unnecessary into your system this is all the four specific strategy under minimize the the next strategy is your separate separate has two important uh, strategy one is your isolate and distribute isolate is logically separating the actors right uh, and from individuals with their proxies so basically when a user is trying to uh, uh, sort of interact with the system you can isolate the user as well as you can even think of logically separating them uh, with the with the help of databases as well as your application level so this is your isolation distribution is in terms of physically distributing the data in terms of different location in terms of different databases so you can logically separate as well as physically separate right so this is again in terms of how do we uh, 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 try to remove a single uh, a source of truth we generally say right the golden copy or uh, uh, this in terms of leads to identification risk right that's the core intention of your separate strategy the next strategies are abstract and hide so in terms of abstract grouping summarization and perturbation we already discussed this part of your uh, uh, the 14 uh, uh, different risk right uh, uh, and uh, grouping abstract yes i we have already discussed that i'm going to hide in terms of hide we have restrict mix obfuscate and dissociate so restricting is who needs access to this data right this is mainly in terms of your access control even within access control your granular attribute level access control right so that could be required whenever you are handling heavy sensitive uh, uh, domain specific uh, uh, processing activity mixing the data in terms of adding noise or mixing the data of someone else 
this could be done with your substitution and other set of activities obfuscate is generally making the granularity of the data uh, uh, sort of disappear so we make this obfuscation maybe using your uh, masking or hashing and uh, dissociate, dissociate is basically in terms of removing that linkability right so you may use anonymization or pseudonymization techniques in terms of dissociate so the next is your process oriented strategies so here we are going to focus in terms of process whenever you're going to build within your organization so the first one is enforce so create a privacy policy okay that covers holistically your personal data protection aspects maintain this policy and ensure it is updated over a period of time based on different triggers and uphold the core privacy values that the drive the organization behavior over a period of time so this is basically how do you set up your policy key updation and in terms of uh, 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 making the users aware of it and second is demonstrate so if you are building a privacy program how do you demonstrate this if you have done cappe or gdpr if you are aware about it so there is an accountability framework which is embedded within gdpr so that specifically requires you to demonstrate your compliance how do you do it have your records of processing activity so have a clear record of interaction with the user it could be a data subject rights uh, it could be in terms of how, when you receive uh, the request it could be your privacy notices uh, uh, what versioning we have part of the privacy notices when we are collecting the consent keeping a clear record of it uh, in terms of being challenged from the data subject or from the authorities so that's your first step of record the second is audit so the periodic audits which we do it is also important source of your uh, demonstration third is reporting periodically assess the risk and report it to the concerned authorities within the organization or sometimes outside the organization third is inform inform is all about your transparency requirement how do you inform the users supplying this information this could be a privacy notices generally there are four levels at which you interact with the user the first step it could be whenever you are collecting the data that could be your privacy notices the second layer is whenever uh, uh, you are having a thoughts of using uh, secondary purposes that is when you reach out to the data subject again to get uh, additional consent the third element could be your data breach notification and fourth stage could be in terms of your data subject rights so in all these situations how do you uh, uh, transparently provide the information is your supply and notifying them specifically of your breach or there is a special situation like i said the secondary purposes is your notification third is explain provide information about the interaction and risk in a concise and easily understandable way right so part of your privacy strategy how do you provide your privacy notices there are three different layers of strategy you could use a layered notice you could actually use uh, 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 just in time notices your digital icons or your privacy dashboards so these are some of the ways you in a uh, strategically provide your information the last is your control how do you provide control to your uh, uh, user so consent consent is one of the uh, core foundational topic of many data privacy laws you will not find a law without consent as a lawful basis the reason is consent pushes the power back to the data subject's hands right whenever the user 
uh, wants to reverse their consent they can do it at their free will without any reason being provided right so when the when the user reverses their consent it is be it's to, it should be fulfilled with free of cost immediately and there is so much of things to be done from the user uh, from the controller's end right so that's why consent is one of the very important degree of control provided to the user choice choice is something whenever the data being collected the data should be certainly mandated that it is part of a, a minimum set of information required for example choice should not be mistaken that a certain mandatory information is required to fulfill a service right if you're going to take any online based services your email id is a mandatory requirement can i say in the name of choice you don't uh, i will not provide my email id no without email id the core services cannot be provided right but is all the attributes are mandatory that's the way choice will come into picture what if i say no to certain attributes which i don't like to share will my will my services will be affected in this case that's the choice so user user should be provided with a choice that helps them to take appropriate decision and updating uh, the personal data over a period of time this is another data subject rights which periodically giving them provision to update the data because if there is a inaccurate data that leads to inaccurate decision making made on the data and uh, retract the data uh, sees interacting with the people or their proxies after the withdraw permission basically the moment someone uh, removes the permission it could be right to object right to restrict or it could be in the case of withdrawing consent so how quickly you respond to it within the system is your retract so these are your data privacy data privacy design strategies as i told you your data strategies and process strategy there is one interesting textbook uh, 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 it's not a textbook it's a it's a paper which is called as little blue book okay so it's a very interesting uh, uh, one which i would highly recommend uh, for you on a longer note for a privacy journey to go through that it has wonderful ex examples to explain these eight strategies okay i'm moving into dark patterns so dark patterns is a very evolving topic uh, this is the reason for this is many website have actually misused the consent and the, the way they designed their websites as well as many applications also they made user uh, 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 give consent in a way uh, either the information is not provided in a proper way or they have been misguided they have been biased so there's a lot of way dark patterns actually happens so this is again a publicly available diagram which i which, which i uh, instantly liked to share this with the users so forced continuity is basically uh, uh, the the free trial versions which generally uh, uh, we we take on a subscription basis they ask us to give us a credit card and uh, most probably changes to a paying scheme without warning so generally they don't give a warning that after this date uh, your credit card is going to be charged even this is a classical dark pattern many many of the uh, service provider actually use this and it's not it's not considered negative negative in many uh, uh, consumer laws but it's actually a dark pattern mm -hmm. because you're trying to trick the user by not giving this notification because initially the user agreed for a free trial right 
when i say free trial at end of free trial you should ideally as per ethics you should notify the trial period is uh, is getting closed and at this point of time you will be charged after this month if they don't do this that's exactly a dark pattern uh, deliberate misdirection deliberate misdirection could be in terms of uh, what mm -hmm. i need to focus part of a, a, a particular uh, site i am being misguided by some other random information or something else is distracting me in terms of that particular page or particular instance right so misdirection is trying to take my attention away by hiding something right bait and switch is commonly trying to make people fall prey for certain uh, you would have seen those links uh, which which says that uh, if you if you give five referrals you get this code this you get this offer blah 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 these are all bait and switch using conventional trap method and uh, hidden cost is you would have all been victim of this some or the other way is basically at the time of checkout you will suddenly see a cost uh, pops up this could be very common if you are trying to book a hotel or if you are trying to book a service then suddenly you see a lot of uh, 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 hidden cost that comes out and uh, roach motel is uh, is usually when you start something it's quite easy to start but when you want to come out of it they make it really ridiculous uh, with with the difficulty for us to uh, think should i really exit this i often felt with my broadband providers only uh, when i when i enter into broadband you feel it very easy when you want to discontinue broadband they make our life very difficult to return this and uh, uh, you keep getting the calls they not properly disconnect and all these things are classical example i don't know many of you would have different examples and uh, obscured pricing making it hard to compare the prices right so you don't pro provide a option of comparison or you don't let people compare it right many a time someone says this is the course this is the uh, this is the content but no one tells you the price right we told this is the price of our training right if you go to many many other vendors they may not explicitly say the price Uh, uh they can't display it because they want to keep fluctuating the prices then and there or they do all these tricks right but uh we we share this pricing because you can compare it anywhere this is the this is the lowest pricing that you can expect anywhere right uh privacy zuckerberg is sharing more information or collecting more unnecessary information from the user and uh, growth hacking through spamming sneak into basket is another interesting one so without your knowledge something goes into the cart right that could be they say this is a allied service free a service charge for that particular product this is mandatory right so that that sometimes happens without your knowledge a uh, roadblock we call it as cookie wall sometimes uh, sometimes they they set up mandatory uh, show stopper without doing an action there you cannot continue uh, using that website right so these are all common techniques again uh, misinformation is uh, providing confusing uh, uh, contra com confusing design confusing uh, uh, wordings or confusing design patterns right you would have seen a bright red color okay in terms of uh, 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 in terms of choosing an option right so if i i, I agree is written in uh, 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 in a bright green color and suddenly i do not uh, agree is not visible at all with the font or maybe color these are all common use cases or a pre tick checkbox is also sometimes often a misconception especially in specific laws you need to be careful there not always your uh, uh, 
opt out consent is a is a bad option opt out consent is accepted in many countries as well uh, based on the processing activity in gdpr kind of regulation they are very specific opt out consent is not accepted at all okay so with this i will complete my concepts okay so i'm going to give you some quick tips in terms of how to clear this exam within 30 days so read the book and our slides uh, whenever you take up the course and uh, book the exam slot that's going to be the first important step i usually say read the cipd body of knowledge this is going to be very important that every topic that you uh, that is there in the syllabus you should have a fair idea about it use quizlet app there is a lot of uh, uh, people who uh, practice this they have set up their own quizlet uh, uh, sections so try to use them whenever you have spare time maybe whatever things that you need to keep it in fingertip you can use that uh, work as a team and discuss your wrong answer if you can uh, sort of Uh, create a small set of people around you if you're not taking my training also this is something i generally uh, say to everyone uh, try to frame a set of group of people who like minded to clear this exam you can work as a team and discuss it uh, the official resources is iapp official 90 questions is there and two more resources uh, which is from the textbook privacy for technology prof uh, professionals from uh, travis and a strategic privacy by design by jason crong these are the two official textbook uh, now privacy by technology professional is a default textbook uh, but still i would recommend strategic privacy by design for certain sections especially the module 6 i would recommend for this chapter and uh, practice exams you have i i'm recommending two practice exams one is by joseph brain this is a very uh, recent one but i found it Uh, much better than compared to any other practice exams i personally whenever uh, i took certain mock test i i i i usually take, uh, see different mock test to see the quality of them and the first one i found reasonably good and the second one is majid majid is a famous author for all the three courses uh, his questions are quite challenging and uh, quite uh, up to the mark and uh, so these are some of the resources i would recommend uh, for you to practice so exam strategies uh, these are all common strategies i usually say to everyone the exam is definitely tricky and uh, it will require you to sort of apply your elimination approach lot of times right and uh, uh, you need to be really thorough with your data privacy topics you might be surprised by lot of questions you might be seeing these questions have nowhere discussed in the exam topic uh, or part of the curriculum that's that's going to be so true with cipt so that's the reason i'm telling you need to be aware about these foundation topics to a good extent and uh, pay attention to the detail lot of lot of words actually lead to the answer sometimes people make mistakes by not reading the question properly it could be a negatively worded question or it could be a last word of the question leads to the answer these are some of the common mistakes people do all right and uh, don't spend too much questions on uh, too much time on scenario questions uh, they eat up a lot of time so try to read it smartly go through the questions once and then maybe come come back to the scenario points so this is the exam blueprint in terms of exam weightage okay so uh, almost all the chapters have a good weightage i would say section 4 has the highest weightage which you can see yourself so as i told you that chapter is really really important even your uh, section 3 so module 3 and 4 are literally the most important uh, building blocks of this course i would say 
so that's the reason also they reflect a higher score but if you see uh, compared to the other courses this this almost has a sort of equal weightage you cannot skip anything module 6 is quite uh, uh, modules 5 and 6 are quite easy in terms of cracking it okay so with that team i complete my uh, uh, content for this webinar i hope uh, i made value to the time uh, for whoever has joined in